I'm Micah Boyette, and you're listening to The Slow Way. This is a podcast about the slow goodness of pursuing a sacred love that transforms everything, including you and me. It's a quiet space where all of us frantic strivers, serial doers, and weary achievers are invited in for a moment of reflection, an opportunity for prayer, and a chance to practice going slow in a world that often values only speed, success, and power. Our culture loves to tell us that life is frantic and there's nothing we can do about it. But friends, we know it's real. The true thing is deep down underneath the surface where love lives. And sometimes we just have to stop long enough to notice. So here, let's try. Have a seat just for a few minutes. Let's go the slow way. I remember reading once, years ago, something N.T. Wright said about the season of Easter. How if we really believe in the miracle of the resurrection, we ought to be drinking champagne for breakfast every day of the Easter season. Last Monday, I said something to Chris about this. Why do we have a million guides for Lent and no one is publishing a guide to reflecting and celebrating Easter? for the 50 days of the season. We know how to do Easter day, but I'm not sure any of our churches really know how to do Easter season. Champagne for breakfast did not happen over here, friends. I was so worn out and full from the weekend that I woke up only wanting coffee on Monday morning. And maybe I also had some salt and vinegar chips, but I digress. When we celebrate Easter, we literally cheer on a belief that death and finitude don't define us because we're invited into a resurrection story bigger than our accomplishments and our limits. We're celebrating that we belong to Jesus who overcame the limits of humanity, who overcame death in the here and now and capital D death in the eternal story. Like I wrote about last week, When Paul in 1 Corinthians asks, Oh, death, where is your sting? My hope is that Paul is pointing to the crushing of hell and all that hell represents for us. This season of Eastertide is about living into the goodness of all that hell crushing. I've been reading 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals, for the past couple of weeks. The premise of the book is that there is no life to be found in our obsession with time management, organizational systems, and pressure machines. We can never get all the things done, no matter how well we organize our to-do lists. Wisdom instead is found in discovering that our time is limited, that we are limited. Wisdom is found in the choosing of what matters most to us, knowing that we can't prioritize everything. In fact, making a life means choosing to live in a certain place and not live in all the others, choosing the people we will be in relationship with, which can't include everyone, and choosing how we spend our days. There's a world of freedom in acknowledging that we all have small lives, and those of us who are wise will embrace the beauty of the smallness. 
Last Monday night, I watched a National Geographic docuseries with Brooksy about the national parks throughout the world preserving habitats for Earth's most threatened creatures. My favorite scene was of a sloth curled in a ball during the rain. When the sun came out, he turned green because of the algae growing in his fur, providing a home for an unbelievable amount of microscopic and not-so-microscopic creatures. The next day was cold and overcast, and I was hit with the kind of migraine I haven't had in months. After a sweet and beautiful season without them. I know better than to mess around with a migraine like the one that showed up Tuesday morning. I bowed to it, canceled my day, and curled myself in a ball like a sloth in the rain. I woke up feeling the twinge of guilt I'm always fighting when I rest. Maybe I could have pushed through. I wanted to accomplish more. But then I thought about the sloth and his little green body as he sat completely still, preserving his energy, while also keeping an entire world of microorganisms alive and thriving. It seems to me that there's a story here. The sloth, the migraine, the crushing of hell, the champagne of Easter, and this book I'm reading. Oliver Berkman explains the trouble with our obsession with modern-day time management in a way that makes complete and utter sense to my body. Once time is a resource to be used, he says, you start to feel pressure, to use it well, and to berate yourself when you feel you've wasted it. Soon your sense of self-worth gets completely wound up in how you're using time. It turns into something you need to dominate or control, end quote. This creates what Berkman describes as a rigged game in which it's impossible to ever feel as though you're doing well enough. Our attempts at mastering time, he says, end up mastering us. I've tried so many times to put words to this when I've written about rest and anxiety and how often religion confuses the spiritual life for another attempt at controlling time. In religion, it just becomes controlling time for the sake of doing enough good to come close to God. Bergman says there's some realness to be found in releasing our attempts to control time and instead receiving our own mortality. He's on to something good and deeply true. How do we break free from the culture of efficiency we've created for ourselves? He says we lean into our own mortality, accepting that we'll never be able to control our lives and make all our tasks fit. I think we begin by learning to prioritize the things that actually bring us life and joy and relationship with ourselves, others, and God. And as Berkman reminds us, we release our control of time and lean into the melancholy of our own coming death, what Richard Rohr calls bright sadness. What could this possibly mean for us this Easter season? How in the world do we live with our own limits? And as St. Benedict instructs his monks, keep death always before our eyes. Can we live with our eyes on our death and our eyes on the gift of Easter? Can we celebrate that capital D death has been overcome and still live in the wisdom of our own mortality? 
I've spent my entire adult life pushing back on what I would now call the toxic positivity of evangelical Christian culture, pushing from within at first and now speaking from the outside about the dangers of soul-crushing theology dressed up as personal transformation. In that culture's tendency to bury the ones who are crushed in the process. There is no room in our beaten up world to celebrate something that isn't authentic, to prop up men as godly who are secretly abusing women in their care, to wrap public policy in language of faithfulness, to use it to give abusive power to a few and keep those in poverty out of sight and mind. There's too much at stake to preach that Easter should be celebrated without offering a way toward real life, life that's true all the way through. What if the way toward Easter life is found in the wisdom of our own mortality, in the real and powerful acknowledgement that we are limited creatures here for a limited amount of time and invited to make the world a place that looks like the kind of life Jesus offered in his resurrected body? whole, scarred, on the other side of hell, transformed and transforming others through forgiveness. I'll take that mortality this Easter, please. A slow practice. Let's practice our Easter celebration by ruthlessly examining our own pursuit of life. Where are we surviving? Where are we thriving? And what does our schedule have to say about what we believe about God? In other words, does your calendar reflect your belief that relationship with yourself, others, and God is a priority? Does your calendar reflect your belief that Jesus came to give us life that is abundant? Of course, there's no way around the frustrating tasks of email checking and to-do listing. But how are you prioritizing the Easter goodness of the world? How are you authentically living into joy? Let's pray through our schedules today. And before we do, let me assure you, I don't really know how to help us prioritize joy. I only know that living into joy involves leaning into our limits. So I want us to start there. Take a deep breath with me. Breathe in. Breathe out. I want you to pull out some paper or a journal today. Take a few minutes to pause this podcast and sketch out a typical day in your life. What is work? What is play? What is relentlessly painful or boring? What is joyful? What builds your anxiety? What releases your anxiety? Write it all down and label it. 
Now, let's take some minutes to look for the presence of the Holy Spirit in your list. The fruit of the Spirit of God is listed so beautifully in Paul's letter to the Galatians as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we look at our days, let this be our litmus test. Is it good? Does it produce love, joy, or peace? Is it kind to ourselves or others? Is it gentle or faithful? When you participate in it, are you controlled? Or do you feel wildly loose in the wind, untrustworthy? Let's close this practice with an acknowledgement that these questions can't be worked through in the course of a 10-minute practice of prayer. This is a long daily work to look at our schedules and ask hard questions about where we're inviting God's presence into our hurried daily tasks. This, you might say, is Easter work. 50 days worth of asking the Holy Spirit to show us where our lives are missing love, joy, and peace, and beginning the slow work of reclaiming our time for our Easter lives. Take some time to commit to examining your days this season of Easter. Thanks for listening to The Slow Way. Choosing a moment of quiet and allowing yourself to be slow here with me is no small thing. When we move, even for a few minutes, at a pace that refuses to conform with the culture around us, we make space for God, for wisdom, for a vision of ourselves and others that can only be seen when we take the time to pay attention. What I'm trying to say is, we make space for love. So well done, us. I'm proud. I want to thank Fausch Leader for managing my social media and Jason Boyette for designing our slow way graphic. 
Also the talented Angelina Marie for editing. If you're interested in more words on the slow way, you can sign up for my newsletter at micaboyette.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-B-O-Y-E-T-T. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at micaboyette and find my book found wherever books are sold. This past week, I announced that I'm hosting an online book club celebrating Found's eighth birthday. Woo! Look for the link in our show notes or find the link on my social media. I'd love for you to join us in reading Found again or for the first time with some friends. Don't forget you can review The Slow Way on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you think that's a good idea. But if your time would be better inviting some friends to read Found with you and Zooming with me for the next eight weeks, do that instead. Okay, friends, let's go the slow way. See you next time.